You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest Arsenal transfer news. And as you can imagine, today is not the busiest of days when it comes to transfer talk because most people uh, are still trying to recover from the Euro 2020 final. The fallout from that game has taken precedent. It's... um. It's being discussed by everybody all over the continent. Uh, England losing in the final on penalties to Italy in the end. Um, lots of uh, sort of downbeat people here in the UK today. Lots of celebrations going on in Italy, I'm sure. Uh, but we're going to park that talk because we discussed it at length on our last edition of the podcast. So if you haven't checked it out already, you can do so. It's the last one in the feed if you are listening via the podcast platforms. If you are watching us on YouTube, it is our last video. So get over there, check it out. Uh, and we'd uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the game as well. And of course, all the issues that surrounded the game as well. But as far as transfer news goes, well, the biggest probably story coming out today with regards to Arsenal is relating to Hector Bellerin. Now we heard how long ago now, probably a week, 10 days ago, that Inter were were quite serious in their interest in Hector Bellerin. Of course, they have just sold Ashraf Hakimi on. They are looking to bring in a right back, somebody who could come in and fill that role. And of course, Antonio Conte had put into place this kind of wing back system at Inter. He is no longer the manager, but it's expected that Simone Inzaghi, the man who has taken over, will carry on in a similar vein. And so Hector Bellerin is somebody who's come up for Inter as a potential replacement for Ashraf Hakimi. Is he on Hakimi's level? Is he going to bring to the table what Hakimi brought to the table in terms of pace, power, ability to, um, you know, impact games in the final third? Not in my opinion, but he is a good option and he's nowhere near as bad as some of the um, Arsenal fans would have you believe. That's that's my uh, that's my honest opinion. I think Hector Bellerin's been a good servant to the club. He's not been um, always at the kind of at the level that we wanted since, especially since he he picked up that injury. You know that's been hard to see a player who had so much sort of promise, so much potential, um, so much kind of I don't know. He looked like a, a kind of player that could go on and become one of the best right backs in the world when he first broke onto the scene. And then to see him kind of regress in the way he did was hard. Um, it was hard to take. It was difficult to watch. You kind of don't want to have a go at Hector Bellerin because of how long he's been at the club, because of what a, an excellent guy he seems to be off the field. I think that's important. I think a lot of Arsenal fans have given him stick for what he does off the field, for his fashion sense, for his sort of willingness to get involved in kind of social issues. And for me, you know, that's unfair criticism. You know, 
we've all got jobs and we've all got things that we like doing outside of our jobs. And I think it's wrong to to kind of bring the two into like a kind of heads on clash. I mean, what does the fact that Hector Bellerin likes fashion or is into kind of, you know, veganism, what does any of that have to do with what Hector Bellerin does on the football pitch? And the answer is very little. And so, you know, if people want to criticise Hector Bellerin for maybe not being as good as he was or maybe not being at the level that we require, then I'm okay with that. You know, I criticise players all the time, but I don't think you can get personal. I don't think you can start digging into outside things like what Hector Bellerin does on his day off, for example, and kind of justifying your argument about him using that stuff. It just feels a little bit unfair to me. And I think, yes, um, it's not why most Arsenal fans criticise him, but a lot of Arsenal fans use it as a stick to beat him with. And I think that's unfair. You know, I would still argue that right now Hector Bellerin is the best right back at the club. Um, I've said it repeatedly. I actually like the look of Cedric when he plays at right back. And I know towards the back end of last season, some of his questionable performances were when he was asked to cover at left back. So I'm willing to give Cedric a, another chance in that position. Callum Chambers, I think he's okay. Um, I'm not really sure about Callum Chambers there, though, in the longer term. And so, you know, losing Bellerin obviously means we've got to buy. We've got to bring someone in. Or does Mikel Arteta feel he's got enough to get by right now? And and will he sort of get rid of Bellerin, make do with what he's got, prioritise other areas and come back to that at a later date? I don't know. Uh, time will tell. We're going to have to wait and see. Interesting that Nuno Tavares, our new signing as well, a lot has been made of the fact that he can play at right back too, which, um, which you know, would make sense as well. Um, in why Arsenal felt that he was the right man to go after as kind of cover. He can cover both fullback positions, essentially. But I still worry about, in the absence of Bellerin, who I admit, you know, isn't at the level that he he once was. Um, I admit that that does concern me a little bit, uh, going into a season with Cedric and Callum Chambers as our two options. I don't think it's necessarily a disaster, but I also don't look at it and feel any excitement or, or any comfort in that. I've got to be honest. So what's the latest on Hector Bellerin? Because I've gone on this little tirade about kind of defending Hector Bellerin and, you know, who he is and what he is and why I feel that at times he's received unfair criticism. But the latest story uh, coming from Sky Sports Italia is that Hector Bellerin is pushing to join Inter. Uh, but of course, the Serie A giants and Arsenal are yet to reach an agreement. The 26-year-old is said to be one of Inter's targets to replace Ashraf Hakimi, as mentioned, who has joined Paris Saint-Germain in a 71 million euro deal. Um, according to the Sky Sport Italia report, Bellerin has made it clear to the Arsenal board that his preference is to join the Nerazzurri in the summer. But at the moment, as I say, no agreement in place. Now, Arsenal are open to sending the Spaniard on loan with an option to buy that would turn into an obligation to buy if certain targets are met. So very similar to that deal that was done that took Costandinos Mavrobanos to Stuttgart, where it is technically by law an option to buy, but the kind of benchmark and the, the targets and the triggers that need to be hit to turn that into an obligation 
are ones that you'd expect to be met. And therefore, the likelihood is that that obligation to purchase him is going to be in effect. Now, Inter don't want that. Inter are open to taking the player on loan, but they want an option to buy him, not an obligation. And this is a bit of a problem for Arsenal, right? Because we've got an issue here where we've got a player that clearly wants to leave the club, that a lot of fans want to see gone. Um, you feel like Hector Bellerin's time at Arsenal has come to an end for one reason or the other. We know that he wanted to leave the club last summer and Arsenal didn't allow it to happen. Mikel Arteta was, you know, reported to have persuaded Hector Bellerin to stay that little bit longer to give him one more season and then he'd be allowed to go. And now we're in a place where there are a number of clubs interested. We've heard of Villarreal's interest. We've heard of Real Betis's interest, Atletico Madrid's potential interest. Now Inter have come along and Inter appear to have turned Hector Bellerin's head. And why wouldn't they? They're the reigning champions of Italy. They are in the Champions League next season. It's a great club to play for. It's a huge football club. Milan is, I'm sure, a wonderful place to live, especially for someone who loves their fashion. Um, I can understand why Bellerin wants to go there. But now we've got a bit of an issue because Arsenal have almost said to Hector Bellerin, yes, we will allow you to go. And now Hector Bellerin's made it clear which club is his preference. And now we're at a point where what is going to happen with the deal? We don't know because are Arsenal going to allow a deal on terms that aren't necessarily perfect for the club or ideal for the club in a, on the basis of kind of rewarding Hector Bellerin for his loyalty, the fact that he did agree to stay last summer, even though he wanted to go to help out, to you know, the, the fact that he played an instrumental role in the agreements between the players and the club regarding the pay cuts and all of that stuff. He is very, very highly thought of at Arsenal Football Club as a man, as a human being. And now Arsenal are in a position where they can either basically show their loyalty to Hector Bellerin, but maybe not get the best deal for the club, or they're going to piss Hector Bellerin right off and potentially scupper the move that he wants to enter um, and run the risk of ending up stuck with him again. I don't know what, what the right solution is here. I think we've talked about it before. There will be a lot of transfers this summer where clubs take players on loan and there's an obligation to buy at the end. It's essentially those clubs kicking the can down the road so that they can pay the transfer fee later on at a later date when they've had more time to get their finances back in order. But this, in this instance, Inter aren't even willing to do that. Inter aren't willing to commit to an obligation to purchase the player. Why is that? Is it because they're not sure about him or is it because they're not sure about their finances? Because Inter's situation is a difficult one at the moment, as is that of many, many clubs on the continent. And, um, you know, we talked earlier on, didn't we, in the summer about how much we could realistically bring in for certain players I talked about Bellerin. I said if we got 15 million, I'd, I'd probably take that. But it doesn't look like we're going to get even that now. So where do we go from here? Um, you know, it's a tough one. It's a, the, the club and Hector Bellerin clearly sort of having different views on, on what the right thing is. Bellerin wants to go to Inter. Now it's down to the clubs. It's down to Inter to a degree to show him enough or, or to show him that they want him, you know, because if they ain't willing to push the boat out, then um, what does that mean? 
But the issue here is that Inter probably don't have the money to go and spend 15, 20 million euros in cash up front on Hector Bellerin. So it doesn't really help Arsenal. And I wonder if out of loyalty to the player, and I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, okay? I've said it for years. The club are not ruthless enough. They don't put their own interests um, ahead of the players or they haven't done in years gone by. And that's that's had a detrimental effect on us. But I just wonder in this instance, will we see something different? Will we see Arsenal um, accommodate a deal that, as I say, doesn't necessarily feel like the best deal for the club out of respect for Hector Bellerin, out of loyalty to Hector Bellerin, who not only is very well thought of within the club by the hierarchy, by his colleagues, etc., etc., but has a very, very good, um, you know, has a very, very good relationship with Mikel Arteta himself. So I'll be interested to see how this one goes. As Angry Guna says in the chat, it is a tricky situation. It's a tricky situation because you've got a player who wants to join Inter and Inter can't afford to pay what Arsenal wants. So where do you go from there? I can see a few of you um, in the chat saying, uh, Assassin General says, Harry, they collected 80 million for Hakimi, they're stingy, man. It, it wasn't 80 million. It was around about 70 million euros. So it's probably about 56, 57 million pounds. Um, Olivier also says they've money because they've just sold Hakimi. Actually, the situation at Inter is probably a lot worse than, than a lot of people know. Um, Inter had to sell Ashraf Hakimi in order to, to, to balance the books, essentially. They had to make a significant player sale. Uh, in order to keep their heads afloat. And that's why Antonio Conte got the arse and left. That's why Antonio Conte is no longer the Inter manager. So that sale does not mean uh, that Inter now have 70-odd million euros to be able to reinvest back into the transfer market. That money was very much uh, needed to keep them afloat. And so that money uh, is not going to be spent on players, and it's certainly not going to be spent on Hector Bellerin. Inter need a right back. Bellerin wants to go there. The finances are a problem at the moment, but I think there will be some sort of deal done here. Um, maybe it's not going to be the deal that, that Edu and, and KSE and Vinay want, but I think there will be some kind of deal here, uh, especially with Hector Bellerin pushing for it. Could you argue that because he agreed to stay last summer when he didn't want to, that we maybe owe him a little bit? I'm not sure we owe him uh, 15 to 20 million pounds worth of a transfer fee. Uh, but I think that, you know, there might be something done there and, and maybe we'll accommodate that. I know a lot of fans will be disappointed to hear that. I know a lot of fans will take issue with that. And I understand it, but I, I do. That's what my gut says will happen with regards to this particular transfer. Uh, let's go over to the live chat um, and see what you guys are saying. A big hello to James Jenkins, who says smash the like button. It helps keep this great content coming. It absolutely does. So please do, if you haven't done so already, hit that button. Uh, Stephen Andrews says, Harry, thoughts on a £5 million loan fee and a £10 million option to buy? That wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, whatever happens, there will be some sort of loan fee. Look, I know that I say that um, Inter don't have money to spend at this moment in time. I don't think... They will be spending big unless they do make another significant sale, which would uh, kind of be taking a step backwards. They'll be bitterly disappointed to have lost Hakimi just a season after they finally got him. Um, a £5 million loan fee feels about right um, to me. 
But then we've got to find a way of turning that option to buy into an obligation to buy. And that's the big, big thing here. Arsenal are trying to be cheeky. Um, you know, it's what they've done with the Matteo Genduzzi to Marseille deal. And it's what they've done um, with the, uh, with the, um, the Costandinos Mavrobanos deal to Stuttgart. They've inserted various triggers, various clauses that will essentially turn what is legally an option to buy into an obligation to buy in order to cover themselves. Let's see uh, what we've got. Uh, lots of you still taking issue with Inter's sort of seeming willingness to not pay for Hector Bellerin and not to pay uh, anywhere near the £20 million pounds that, that we feel that he's probably worth or that Arsenal were looking for when the uh, window opened. But as I've explained already, and, and I think we did an episode on Simply Serie A about it a little while back, um, which I'll try and dig out the link for and pop it in the description, where we discussed Inter's financial issues at length and in detail. And actually, um, if you listen to that and, and kind of understand where they are, I'm not saying it's good for us. I'm just saying it's it's why, it, why Inter are in this place that they're in. It's why Antonio Conte left the club. And it's why I don't expect them to miraculously say, Here's twenty million pounds for Hector Bellerin. They do need a right back, however, and um, and you feel like that need coupled with Bellerin's want, and of course, um, I think the loyalty that the club may show to him. I think a deal will be done. I don't think it will be a great deal for us financially speaking, but he is someone who we could do with getting off the wage bill as well. So there's that benefit to it as well. When you're clearing out dead wood. Everybody knows that in your eyes, they're dead wood and people are very reluctant to pay top money for somebody else's junk. It's why you don't go to a car boot sale and pay 50 quid for, 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 for an item. You know that that person was about to chuck it out. So you're going to give them the lowest offer that you possibly can. You're going to try and barter them. You're going to try and get the best deal possible. Uh, the same kind of principle applies here. Everybody knows that we don't want him. Everybody knows that he doesn't want to be here. And everybody knows that he's looking for a move. So nobody is going to come in and offer to pay top dollar at the outset. Uh, big hello to um, Mile High Guna. Uh, thank you very, very much for your kind donation to the channel. He says, regarding your previous video, I just want to thank you for sticking to your principles against racism and overall providing content with integrity and class. Thank you very much, mate. I know the last video... Um, for a reason unknown to me, pissed off a few people. Um, I've had a few messages on Twitter um, in my DMs, like DM requests from people having a go um, about it. But for me, it was something that needed to be discussed. It's something that I'm disgusted at. It's something that I see all the time. It's something that I could have predicted would have happened the minute those three players missed their penalty kicks. And that says everything. Um about the society that we're living in today. So I had to make those points. And uh, I'm glad that at least on your behalf, Mile Haguna, they were uh, uh, they were well received. So thank you very much, mate. And thank you for the kind donation. Honestly, really appreciate it. Let's see what else we've got. Uh, Jack Burgess says, uh, Harry, do you agree that with pre-season underway and the Euros done, there's now zero excuses for us to get deals done? And I mean, deals for players that will generally improve us. Um, yeah, look, there is, you know, there, there's an expectation now, isn't there, among the fan base, among football fans up and down the country, that now that the European Championships are over, the transfer market will start to move and players will start to um, 
start to make their moves and, and make way towards the destinations at which they'll end up by the time the season starts. I think that's certainly the case. Uh, a couple of updates from an Arsenal perspective on that. Um, Sammy Le- uh, Albert Sambi Laconga is uh, being linked, of course, um, to my knowledge and to, to all the reports that are being sort of put out there by the big boys. It seems that that deal is done, that Albert Sambi Laconga is going to become a gooner for Brizio Romano's reported it. Charles Watts has reported it. So have a number of others. The deal is done. We're just waiting for the quarantine uh, period to end so that they can uh, dot the I's and cross the T's, get that all done, get all his photos done, get his interviews done, et cetera, et cetera. And we can make that announcement. So I do expect that one to be done in the next week or so. Uh, he's not going to join the team up in Scotland uh, for that training camp, which, of course, uh, Arsenal have already set off for. They set off this morning from London Colney. That's Monday morning. And we know, uh, of course, that Nuno Tavares has been included in that group. So Nuno Tavares, who officially signed for the club uh, on Saturday, is uh, is uh, there. Um, he is going to be part of the squad, as is Aubameyang, as is Lacazette, as is Partey, Smith-Rowe. Uh, lots and lots of big boys involved in that group. Of course, those who took part in the Euros are not there um, and they will be joining up with the squad a little bit later on, as, did, as are those who took part in the Copa America, uh, such as uh, Lucas Torreira, for example. But uh, it seems like we're going up there with a really, really big squad. And also a couple of other points, uh, the Arsenal home kit which I'm sure you've all seen. It looks like an Ajax kit. We've discussed it before. Uh, that is being, apparently, that's being launched on Friday. And um, Arsenal are going to wear it on Saturday against Rangers in the friendly uh, that will be playing against Steven Gerrard's side. So I uh, look forward to seeing that. Um, the away one is going to be worn against Hibernian uh, on Saturday. So, um, yeah, we've got uh, that to look forward to as well. So plenty. Um, you know, it, it feels like the new season is coming, don't it? When you start seeing new kits and new stuff like that. So I'm buzzing about seeing the new kit. Hopefully it will grow on me. I'm, I wasn't a big fan when I saw it originally. Uh, so let's see. Let's see. Um, uh, what else did I want to say? I've, I've given you the update on Lokonga. We talked about uh, the kit. That's pretty much it, really. So let's uh, let's let's uh, go over to the chat and get some of your questions. Um Olivier says, uh, is the Madison story gaining traction? Um, I mean, it's it's one that's been kind of rumbling, hasn't it, for a while. It's one that's been talked about. It's one that people are quite sort of confident uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit more movement on in the sort of coming, uh, coming weeks. Apparently, James Madison uh, wasn't part of uh Leicester's return to training today I don't know why that is is he on holiday is he um is he injured has he got I don't know but there's been a few people sort of tweeting in the last hour or so uh sort of images from Leicester's return to training and, and he wasn't part of that I don't know what the, the situation is with James Madison I'd be lying if I said I did uh, but of course if we do get any information if I do hear anything then, of course, I will be sharing that with you guys right here via the podcast. But as it stands, um, not to my knowledge, it seems like the Madison thing is, is is as it was. We talked about it the other day. We talked about the fact that Arsenal allegedly um, 
or have allegedly made contact with his sort of representatives and made their feelings and stance known on him and, and the fact that they do have an interest in him. Apparently, they've offered him a four-year plus uh, additional one-year contract. They've offered to double his salary uh, to that of what he's receiving at Leicester City. And apparently, they've offered him the number 10 shirt. But let's see. Um, no, no discussions, to my knowledge, are currently taking place between Arsenal and Leicester. So until that happens, um, it feels a little bit like a pipe dream. So let's wait and see um, how this one develops. But not to my knowledge, uh, in terms of your question, Olivier, I don't know of any developments on that. Uh, let's say a big hello to Diego, who says, hello, Harry. Uh, how do you see the current situation with Bayerin and Shaka? Should both be allowed to leave the club under their market value to get funds for new signings? Greetings from Costa Rica. Well, first of all, Diego, welcome to the show, mate. Uh, pleasure to have you here. Love to everybody uh, in Costa Rica. Hope you're all well. Um, I think with Xhaka and Bellerin, right, it, they've, they're players that have kind of become laughing stocks among some of our own fans. And that has obviously filtered out. And now there are people who look at them and look at them as players that Arsenal are just desperate to move on, just desperate to get rid of. And so to, to demand their value or what we perceive to be their value feels like we're kind of fighting a losing battle. I mean, with Bellerin for me, you know, if we lose Bellerin for, let's say, you know, 10 million pounds, 15 million pounds, even if it is in a, a, a structured deal, that means we're going to get that money later on down the line. I don't think that's the biggest loss in the world. I think we've got two other right backs at the club um, who I don't believe necessarily are better than Bellerin, but they're not, uh, you know, there's no big drop off between Bellerin and Cedric. There's no big drop off between Bellerin and Chambers currently. You know, that one I can kind of stomach. I, I have struggled to process the idea of losing Granite Xhaka for cheap because of his importance to the side. Hector Bellerin doesn't have that same importance. He wasn't a starter every single week. Um, he didn't sort of control our midfield. So I, I struggle more with the whole letting Granite Xhaka go for less than his value. But at the same time... Um, you know, equally, you want to get as much as you possibly can for Bayern. But as I said previously, a little bit earlier on on the podcast, I do believe that there will come a point where we've just got to cut our losses, where the club will look at the situation, understand where Hector Bellerin's coming from as well. And I think we owe him that, given how long he's been at the club, what a good servant he's been. Even if in the last couple of seasons, he hasn't been as good a performer. I think the club will see it that way. A lot of fans will disagree and that's fine, but I think the club will see it that way and I think there will be some kind of uh, agreement and compromise uh, reached. Uh, let's go back over to the live chat. Terry says, AFTV made it seem like we had very few players back for pre-season. From what I was uh, reading earlier, Terry, I think we've got about 30 players heading up to Scotland. So I'd, I'd say we're pretty well stocked. You've got to remember as well, how big do you want the squad to be for Arsenal this season? You know, we're not in Europe, uh, which is massive. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But it, from what I understand, as I say, there's around about 30 players. Oba, Laka, Smith-Rowe, um, you know, all the big boys are there. Thomas Partey, et cetera, et cetera. Nuno Tavares has joined up as well. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Terry also says, big up, Harry. Appreciate your discussion of social issues in football. Thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate your support. Um, Welcome to the membership scheme, uh, Mile High Guna. Thank you very much. 
Uh, glad to see you're enjoying the content, content and that you've uh, you've signed up. Thank you so much for the support. It is very much appreciated. If you'd like to become a member of the channel um, and receive a number of benefits, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description and signing up, just like Mile High Guna has uh, just there. It really, really does help. So thank you very much. And uh, Mile High, welcome, my friend. Uh, I'll, I'll drop the Discord server link in the community tab uh, after I finish this live stream so you'll be able to join the Discord as well. And for any other members that haven't done that already, I'll drop the link in there just in case you haven't seen it. And uh, we'll get you in the Discord server too. Um, let's go over to the next one. Uh, Martin says, uh, hi, Harry, Danish gunner here. Do you think Arsenal should be targeting any players from the Danish national team? Um, it's, it's a hard one, right? Because there were some really, really impressive performers. I'll, I'll tell you the ones that kind of stood out to me, but then you know, it depends on whether we need recruits in that particular position, what the finances are saying. The players that I really liked from, from the Danish national team, I think a lot of people will agree with this, was uh, Joachim Myler. I, I really enjoyed him. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he got up and down that flank flawlessly, was really good in an attacking sense, but did brilliantly when asked to kind of tuck in and defend as well. Um, I really liked the look of Damsgaard, um, and I understand there was a little bit of thought I don't want to say fortune because it wasn't fortunate what happened to Christian Eriksen. But the point I'm making is that he wasn't somebody that many people expected to start or be involved um, had Christian Eriksen not picked up that injury. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm a massive fan of Damsbergard. I actually liked Dolberg as well, who I'd kind of seen bits and pieces of previously, but wasn't that sort of big on. And, and I really enjoyed some of his centre-forward play. So those are the kind of three that stood out to me. Uh, but let's um, let's see. Um, let's see. I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, because you look at players at European Championships and you think, yeah, I, you know, I like this player. Sometimes you can be fooled. I'm not saying these guys are not good players and not top players, but sometimes... You can see players in their their sort of national team environment thrive and then not be as effective at club level. And as I say, you know, you look at you look at Damsgaard, would he fit in as the potential number 10? I wouldn't be against that. Um, you know, you look at Dolberg centre forward. Do we really need a centre forward if we're not moving on any of the current ones? Probably not. A Mailer, left back. We've just bought a left back to back up Kierantini. Can he play from the right? Probably. And maybe that would tempt me. But yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, yeah, let's see. Let's see. But great players, great tournament uh, for Denmark as well. So I'm sure you enjoyed it. And uh, congratulations, uh, of course. Uh, Vishal says, do you think that the way Arsenal is headed, it will soon be a Newcastle of the league? No, I think that's a little bit extreme. Um, I think to become a Newcastle, if you like, or a kind of mid-table-ish side regularly, which is what I'm kind of, assuming you're you're trying to say i think you need to do it over a long long period of time and i think look we're we're under no illusions that if things don't improve this season Mikel arteta could be out on his ass and probably rightly so because it looks like the club are going to back him this summer it looks like they're going to give him money to spend and if they do that and he's still not cutting it then you've got to start to ask questions and um yeah let's see a uh, big thank you to Benjamin uh, for your very kind super chat donation. Wow, what a, what a stream we're having now. Uh, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate your support. It says, keep up the good work, mate. 
Uh, thank you very much. Um, let's see what else we've got. I, I'm I'm going to kind of move on from the um, from the whole uh, sort of why can't Inter pay for Bellerin stuff just because I've, I've said it about two, three times on the pod. Um, apologize if you're joining us late, but check it out afterwards. Give it a little rewind uh, if you're joining us live and you'll you'll hear sort of my bit on that uh, and as to why it is a problem. Uh, Johnny Kryptonite says, uh, it is criminal that you don't have more subs, Harry. Thank you. Uh, he says, did you expect more unearthed South American gems to roll into Arsenal with Edu's connections? Yeah, um, I did, if I'm honest. I've got to be honest, I did think that that was kind of one of the ideas behind bringing somebody like Edu in. And But equally, you know, you don't want them to bring in players just because they're Brazilian. You want them to be the right fit. And um, and I think that we probably, or we might see that sort of come to fruition a little bit later. And I think right now, Arsenal are in a place where we need to strengthen the side. You know, for many years under Arsene Wenger, we were in a position where we were good enough and we were just bringing in like a two or three players over the summer who were kind of what I always say, low risk, potentially high reward signings in the hope that one of them would pay off and it would and that would be a gem and, and we'd move forward with that player. I think now we have to be a little bit more kind of focused on what we're doing. And I think that is kind of just been pushed to the wayside a little bit in terms of our priorities. Um, with regards to the subs, uh, thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate that lovely comment. And what I will say is if you haven't subbed, uh, then why not? Uh, we're approaching 14,000 here on YouTube. I feel like I've been saying that for, for a week uh, or so now, but we're 49 away. So if you are new to the channel and if you're enjoying it, then please do hit that subscribe button. The quicker we get there, uh, the quicker we can start aiming for the next target. Hit the like button too if you haven't done so already. And we'll check in on that before we uh, round up the stream. Uh, let me pick up uh, one more. Uh, Hakuna Matata, uh, going back to the Euro 2020 final, uh, he says, should Jorginho have had a red card yesterday? Um, it was one of those ones for me where if the referee brandished the red card, I'm not sure you could have had too much to say about it. But I also see why they haven't and why the VAR hasn't. And the reason for that is, yes, Jorginho goes in, you know, not in the in the best manner. But what I would say is, though, is when you watch it back, Jorginho's foot is firmly on the ball and then his foot almost rolls off the ball, doesn't it? And catches Grealish. It's a horrible uh, injury that Grealish sustained. You know, fortunately, he was able to get up and carry on. It was a painful one. No doubt about it. Had Jorginho's foot gone straight into Jack Grealish, I think it absolutely 100% would have been a red card. I think the reason he's been... Uh, let off or the reason the VAR has been a little bit more lenient around that is because, as I say, the the foot of Jorginho rolls off the ball and that can very easily happen when you're traveling at high speed. I don't think the intention was there from Jorginho to injure Grealish. I think he, well, he did get the ball, didn't he? So, um, yeah, I think it's one of those, if they had said he was irresponsible, not control of his, not in control of his body, putting someone in danger, I think you could make that case. But I also understand why he didn't get sent off. So I think that was one of those decisions in football that can go either way. And it's one of the decisions that I always say we, we won't lose, even with VAR, because it's, you know, th there's a debate to be had. And it's one of the beautiful things about football. On that occasion, it didn't go England's way. Um, 
that's the rub of the green, I suppose, that sometimes you need to win things. And it, it was on Italy's side uh, in that particular instance. Right. I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, don't forget, you can check out our uh, England-Italy review podcast where we talked about the game. We talked about Southgate, Mancini, a number of players, the vile racist abuse that some of the England players have received in the aftermath of that. And we discussed a number of other issues as well as took some of your questions. So that is the last video on the channel, the last podcast on the feed. Um, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to catch you all tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so. And I'll catch you all tomorrow. Until then, take care. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.